This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right. We're back. Whoa. It's been a long time. Yeah, sorry. I was asleep for a little bit. I fell asleep after the St. John's game. Uh, so did we win any tournament games? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, no, but not in the way you think. Oh, do tell me more. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, just really haven't had the the headspace to do this in the last however long it's been. And so it's good to, it's good to be doing this again, I guess. Um, And we have a lot to cover since we've taken about three weeks off to let all this process. Um, So I guess where we want to start is just talking about how the season ended. Um, For me, obviously losing the NCAA tournament was really awful. Um, But in the context of everything else, it would have been very tough to try to weigh both situations like to care about the NCAA tournament in the face of this horrific world situation would feels weird and the way it got canceled was honestly a godsend in in a lot of ways because the way where when Rudy Gobert you know tested positive and then the whole world canceled sports you know, if that hadn't happened, the situation could have gotten so much worse. I mean, at that point, there were fans going to games still. And I know that just from everything you read, that's the worst possible uh, situation for something like this to spread. And so the way that it went down, although really alarming... Um, you know, really, I think ended up being a good thing for our country. So all that is to say, like trying to think about how bummed I was that March Madness has got canceled was very difficult. Um, in the Marquette context, I was relieved and I, and that's a hundred percent like I say what you want about oh they could have won a tournament game and then they would have had a uh matchup against like a one or a two seed you know say everything about that I was done with this season I was so done and yeah. not having to sit through getting waxed by Seton Hall and whatever potential embarrassment would have awaited in an 8-9 or a 7-10 game was cathartic in a lot of ways because 
I just didn't want to watch this. I think I think we said it on the last podcast. I just didn't want to watch this team anymore. And yeah, that that's, was that was right after the DePaul loss. Exactly. Yeah, because that was the last time yeah. we did this. But I, I mean, I just I love Marcus Howard, but even that had gotten difficult because it just felt so futile and so like he was so like his face was just tough to watch in certain like late game circumstances where he felt like he had the whole, it was just so toxic. I was so done with it. And so in a lot of ways, while I miss the NCAA tournament and while you could be optimistic and say that this could have been an opportunity for one last run, I was so, so done. And I'm very happy in the end that we didn't have to deal with more angst and BS. How about you? Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned this in the post to Paul pod, but at that point, my general thought was I don't really have emotional attachment to anyone in particular on the team except for Marcus Howard and like his happiness at that point was truly the only thing that I cared about and I was at the time willing to get out watching the rest of the games just to see those little four minute glimpses where his hair is on fire and he's making everything and I can get just that little bit of Marcus Joy left and uh, that all faded away pretty quickly where I turned the St. John's game off after halftime and oh, I didn't watch I the St. John's game yeah you shouldn't have um, but and then starting in like November or something like that I had had a trip to New York scheduled to visit uh, my younger sister who lives there. And once I found out that it was same week of the biggest tournament, I was planning on trying to find a way to make it to at least that quarterfinal game where I figured Marquette would be playing in. And even before everything was getting canceled and all that, I was, my parents were like, okay, so when's Marquette playing? And who are they playing? And I said, okay, they're playing a Seton Hall. It's going to be, around uh, 9 o'clock p.m. tip time. But we we don't have to go. It's, it's yeah, exactly. at that point. And like, like I was, like, I probably would have gone had everyone been in favor, but I was very, very willing to do just anything else uh, in spite of that. Uh, and then games didn't end up happening, and uh, I left New York after uh, 36 hours. So that was the story in and of itself, but yeah, once uh, once the Gobert news hit, I kind of figured we were in for a long run, and during the scare where, uh, if you recall, during the Nebraska who did they? Nebraska Northwest. I think it was, I think it was uh, Indiana. Okay, Nebraska, Indiana where there was the shot yep. of Hoiberg maybe on death door. Yeah, I mean, that's when you knew. From the sidelines. Thank and God he didn't have the coronavirus, yeah. but that's that's really when you yeah. knew. Yeah, that was influenza and just the panic of seeing everyone being like, damn, we got to get out of here kind of collectively. Um, that was kind of when the nation seemed to all collect their thoughts and be like, okay, 
totally. when are sports going to come back? Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. Um, there another, another weird another weird thing was uh, as all these different tournaments, conference tournaments were getting canceled. Somehow we had St. John's playing Creighton in the middle of all this. Dude, yeah, that was whoa. That was so weird. That's like honestly one of those things where there obviously this is such a stupid sports cliche, but there's obviously going to be a thirty for thirty about this or whatever, some sort of (laughs) some sort of thing, and like that game is going to be so surreal. You have Tyshawn Alexander, uh, the lottery pick, talking about what it was like to play in that game. And oh, yeah. It, like, that's honestly one of the most, um, that's so, that's gonna, that's gonna age really poorly, first of all. Oh, yeah. That just should never have happened. And, gosh, what a crazy sort of Twilight Zone type thing that was. And I thought of this also the day after, but if you will, just turn the clocks back to the day before the Hauser brothers transferred. If they just decided, you know what, we're going to stay here, we're going to stick this out, and Marquette starts off the year as a top five team, and you know what, let's say, well, you know, just turns things around in terms of how he handles the locker room and the team plays together and the offense is firing all cylinders. The defense is playing hard and you know what? They live up to expectations this year and they're a one or two seed potentially going into the NCAA tournament. All the same stuff being there with prioritizing the nation's health over everything. The Marquette specific thoughts about the end of the year would be absolutely gut-wrenching. Oh, my God. Just a huge what-if. Like, if you're from Milwaukee and went to Marquette, like, you're thinking that as a Bucks fan right now. If you went to Dayton, yep. you're thinking that as a Flyers fan right now or San Diego State fan. I hadn't even thought of that, to be completely honest with you. I've been so, yeah. like, cooked about sports and just not able to kind of put that in perspective, but that, yeah, you're right. I mean, my, my, I was on a call, um, one of those, you know, all too uh, common and popular, uh, Skype hangouts with some friends the other day or, uh, zoom, I mean, and, uh, I, uh, my, my buddy was like, I was like, yeah, uh, somebody, somebody prompted me cause I'm a, I'm the college basketball guy. And I was like, yeah, March Madness getting canceled was pretty much the worst. And, uh, uh, my buddy was a Gonzaga guy and he just like looked at me and he's like, you think? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like this was not your best team and it's like your third best team in the last five years. But I agree that yeah, you guys had a legit shot. It'd be great next year and for yeah. 10 years after this. So. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I think just in the final analysis, I was so ready to be done with this because it really is such a difficult experience to sort of every game during this slide again for the second straight year, just see people that you know and you care about and you respect their opinion just 
screaming into the void about this same stuff over and over and over again. It's and a very iterative conversation. It's so it's so painful and it's so predictable and it's really brutal. And so there was a hundred percent silver lining for me to just not have to deal with it anymore. Um, and, um, I guess kind of brings me to second thing. I mean, we can kind of do a informal memories segment if you want at some point, but I think the real, the real, um, change in perspective came when Stan Johnson took the uh, Loyola Marymount job. Um, Because in that same vein, um, everything I know about Marquette's program is that everyone is frustrated in and around the program by this stuff as well. Um, The people that scream into the void on Twitter and just talk about how frustrating this all is. You know, everyone is frustrated. And if there was a bright spot, it was that Stan is really able to keep everything together. Um, And so losing him, um, although, allow me to preface it by saying, good for Stan. Stan deserves Stan deserves that and more. I mean, LMU is a great school, a great uh has a great pedigree um with the teams in the 90s um that they have speaking of 30 for 30, there's a 30 for 30 about LMU's historic season. Um that is a very yeah, good one great. that I watched about a week ago when I had nothing when nothing was on. Um, I watched uh, the Bad Boys one. The, oh, one that was amazing. Yeah, that's an all that's an all timer. The the LMU one is decent. It's a very sad story, obviously. Um, yeah. So, anyhow, though, um, it, Stan uh, couldn't deserve it more. Um, and congratulations to him, and totally worth it um, for him. It's. And, and and also, I think we knew it was likely coming. Um, yeah, it had it had to have been coming. I was part of my hashtag stand for stand campaign was to maybe see if we wanted to scoop him up as like in a higher role before someone else did. But he's getting very well incubated with building up his own program, and hopefully he has good memories of our athletic department in mind uh, if and when we need a new coach in the near future and he's built up a good program for himself yep I uh... but anyway so larger point I tweeted when that news came that you know it's going to be a dark time for the next two years of market basketball um, part of that, I, I, over the last couple of days, I've come around to the fact that Stan's not the reason that that's the case. I think 
everything you hear about uh, Dwayne Killings is that he is a really talented young coach and um, will be at least capable of stepping into his shoes. Obviously, Stan was so good at what he did and what he contributed in particular. Um, I think there's definitely a concern that, you know, Wojo's not fun to play for. And Stan is, if you look at comments these guys make, the one that stands out to me was uh, Dexter Ocano, who specifically in this little profile on the Marquette Instagram a while back said that Stan Johnson's the reason he's at Marquette and that kind of thing is going to be hard to replicate. Um, especially when, you know, there's circumstantial evidence of Wojo not being fun to play for. I mean, you just look at the amount of defections, um, the Hauser brothers, is obviously the prominent one, but even Ed Morrow just being like, you know what? Screw it. I don't want to play college basketball anymore. Um, yeah. was pretty stunning. Um, and so I think that's probably the biggest concern. Um, but it's for, from a stand perspective, but honestly, the reason why it's going to be dark is just because this roster for next year, just unless it gets a significant upgrade, um, from some sort of guard guard transfer. Um, they probably need two additional players to be any sort of halfway decent. Yeah, and I believe we have two scholarships available. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. But the logistics of getting two additional players of quality in in this range of time and this situation even, which is completely unprecedented, obviously, uh, is, is a lot. And then having them be effective. You know, if you look at Marquette's grad transfer history, um, there are, it's a mixed bag. Um, some of them are good. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are decent and you can't really, a lot of it is seemingly pretty random. Um, yeah, no, nothing. Sorry. I was just going to, Oh, we're cutting each other off. This is going really well. Um, I was just going to say that, you know, you think you have the perfect grad transfer, um, and it can be completely whack. And there's no better example than Joseph Chartuni. Everyone was like, Hey, they need a guard that can play defense fresh off of the Marcus Rousey backcourt year where they made the NIT because they couldn't play any defense and Chartuni was terrible. So it's, and then a guy like Jace, everyone was like, why the heck does this team need a seven footer that can't do anything but rebound? And then it's like, Oh, this is why this team needs a seven footer that can do it. That doesn't do anything but rebound. And Jace was perfect. So you never know with grad transfers. And my point is that the reason that this is going to be so dark is because this team has been serially underperforming for the last three years and it's only getting worse. It's there's, there's going to be much, there's going to be much, um, you know, if they underperform next year, that bar is set much lower. And so I mean, it's not a tournament team. So, 
Anyway. To give, uh, to give the good people out there an idea of some, albeit early, projections, um, the T-Ranks site led by a friend of the pod, not actually, because we haven't interviewed him, uh, Bart Torvik. Yeah, he's a Badger he fan. Has, I don't know if I would call him friend of the pod. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, I know. I, I immediately regret that. But uh, he released uh, one of those way too early uh, projections. And uh, Marquette's is right now number 76 in the country in these early rankings, which I'm going to tell you, Pat, it's a pretty hot take. Um, it's not really good. No, uh, that would be considered bad. Um, and it would be considered, um, much worse than it's been. And, you know, but there's no, I mean, what is there to tell you that this team is going to be any good? There's nothing. Literally the, the team collapsed behind all of the players coming back next year being absolutely terrible for the last month. Like, everyone to a man. The three players that were at all decent for the last stretch were the three people that are gone. And Sakar Anum wasn't yeah. really... That's being generous to Sakar Anum, but he was... He was decent at points, I guess. Yeah, so, if, there, if there is someone out there on the grad transfer market hint hint that can take away most of Kobe McEwen's minutes that would give me some hope but yeah I mean gosh the whole whole point yeah the whole point of like transfers even like a guy like Jace who works perfectly for his role like a grad transfer regular transfer unless you build your program on that in an Aaron Musselman sense or Greg Marshall sense those guys are more meant to pad an already good roster to fill smaller holes as opposed to building from scratch at the last minute with two available spots so looking at some of these grad transfers I really do really, really, really do like a few of these guys that would those types of players would put Marquette I think as French tournament team and give me something enjoyable to watch over the next couple of years so that's where I'm at yep. let's uh, take a break and then we'll talk about some more specifics on that end with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, uh... If you haven't read it, please go to Anonymous Eagle and read uh, Andy's... Well, read all of Andy's coverage of the transfers. Um, 
But definitely read his article that he wrote the other day called Market Basketball, The Search for Transfer Guards and What It Means. It was a really good article just about the state of the program um, vis-a-vis grad transfers um, and how desperate the program is to fill a massive void that's been created. I mean, Ben, we can have you sort of run down a list of some guys that you've highlighted that you like. Um, I don't really like doing that that much because, like I said, it can be a crapshoot, but it's definitely worth going over. Um, So I'm glad that someone on this podcast spends personal energy on that. Um, I think just to sort of hone in on Andy's piece a bit, Marquette hasn't really prepared well uh, with guard recruits. Um, I think to a certain extent having Marcus Howard has made it slightly difficult. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't trade Marcus Howard for the world, so it is what it is. And um, as Andy pointed out, Marquette has whiffed on some high-profile guards um, that they spent a lot of energy on um, in the last couple of years. Um, and then obviously Kobe McEwen, um, who before the season it was thought would be the offensive engine of next year's team, um, had po- quite possibly the worst possible season he could have. Um, so I got one preseason prediction, right? At least you nailed that one, man. I mean, you didn't even uh, you didn't even go that. Bullet uh, bearish on him though, like it. Well, you couldn't have possibly dreamt up as bad of a situation as it ended up being. So yeah, I mean, this roster as it stands, I Greg Elliott. You can't project anything for Greg Elliott at any time because you never know what his health situation is. So you have a starting backcourt with Simir Torrance, a promising but every time he played this past year extremely flawed I, I I think I would project a step forward but I wouldn't project him comfortably handling a starting point guard role in the Big East right off the jump Correct. I, th- I think he's going to have an excellent back half of his career Yep, I think next year there will still be some growing pains. Definitely. But I also think he's a really promising player and he can't be discounted. And especially if you want to have some optimism about the direction of market basketball, he was a Dwayne Killings recruit. Um, So if you want to kind of have some thoughts about Dwayne being... Uh, potentially a decent stand replacement, there's some optimism to be had there. But all told, Marquette's backcourt with Kobe McEwen projected as the lead guard is a a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah. And so I guess I'll kick it to you now. Talk me through some of the best case scenarios in your mind to make this backcourt um, 
salvageable. So, luckily, the transfer market, specifically the graduates for market, for this upcoming year seems to be very fruitful. Um, probably the highlight of it was Alan Griffin, but and Marquette did reach out to him. He did not put uh, Marquette in his uh, top six. They've also reached out to DJ Carton, who was one of the premier point guard recruits out of Ohio State. I think I don't think that he has Marquette uh, in his whittled down list. Um, and so there are a few others that I kind of want to hone in on. One of them is Justin Turner out of Bowling Green. He does have Marquette in his top six, and uh, we've reached out to him pretty heavily. He seems... He was used at Bowling Green a similar way that Marcus Howard was used, in that he was used very often and in a lot of pick-and-roll situations. I think Wojo is really going to try and hone in on him. His... He's also very, very sure-handed. Like, he does not turn the ball over much. His issue comes a little bit on, on the defensive end. He is 6'4", but I would not describe him as quick by any stretch of the imagination. And in the Bully Green system, he was on some bigger guys also, and he would pretty easily get back down, so it's not like he bounces it out with a bunch of strength. So his defense would be a little bit of an issue. On the flip side, one of the basically half of the Wichita state, half of the Wichita population is removed from the city because of the mass exodus of the Wichita state basketball team. It is just absolutely wild what's going on down in southern Kansas and one of the highlights of that crew is Jamarius Burton who I as a Wichita State fan am pretty darn high on he he was by far the best defender at least in the backcourt on what was an excellent excellent shocker defensive team Um, he like really He's like the play-angry guy that you picture when you see Wichita State playing. He will just hound you at the ball. He's really smart. He'll attack. He doesn't get a ton of turnovers, but he's just going to annoy the hell out of you. Okay. And he's big, so so he can get other guys. Yes, Pat? Talk to me about what the absolute crap is happening at Wichita State. Pat, I don't know. Actually, I kind of know. Greg Marshall is an absolute dick. He... So that, like, there's there's always been, like, rumors about that, that he's just... He coaches with a heavy hand, but in the eyes of Central Kansas folk, that just means that he's like my dad. Um, <laughs> so... so um, what? A lot of these transfers that have come out, so it started off with Austin Reeves, who is a very promising shooting guard small forward who left for Oklahoma. And he was the only one, but fans were like, oh, 
he just wasn't a team member. And that happened a little bit when three guys transferred all at once. Same scenario. But I think in total, seven guys have left the program. Yeah, it's seven. With the last one being Asbjorn. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to ask you. Don't just, worry. Just a just um, an elite elite name. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know what's going on in Wichita. And Greg Marshall has a fifteen million dollar buyout, which I think is the highest I've seen for a college basketball coach. Um, he's got the Coke money on his back, and so I, yeah. Do you think that part of this is why he's never gotten a job? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been able to leverage his salary for more because they've got so much money coming in from donors, even when they're okay. in Missouri Valley. So, sorry to be a little bit more specific. They, You think him being, an, him being an ass is part of why he has never gotten a job? Or just he's been able to bilk the Cokes for more money every time he's gotten, gotten pursued? I've always leaned towards the latter. Okay. Um, but because like, do you think that even despite him being a pretty decent sized dick, he's been able to produce, and that's kind of what matters. Like, he had a Final Four team, he had undefeated regular season team just a couple years ago. He brought a team to a four seed, um, a couple of Sweet Sixteen years. So it's not like it's at the cost of the program as a whole until now, essentially. Okay, do, do you think, to phrase the question another way, because I think you're right, it's probably Ben who's just been able to go back to donors, do you, does, does a bigger part of you think that him being a jerk is part of why he's not gotten a job now that you see seven people transfer? Uh, yeah, I, like, looking back on it, some of those... There did seem to be some initial calls, and then all of a sudden it just stops. There's no higher-level pursuit. There's never really been a bidding war. I think Texas might have tried to go tit-for-tat a little bit, but no major conference team has ever really stood up to the big bad boys at the Wichita State Athletic Department and said, we want your coach. So there, there is a decent non-zero chance that it's because they read the tea leaves a little bit and thought, ooh, we could be dealing with a real head case here. So, is Ron Baker the most coachable player of all time? Oh, he's got to be. Just He's just a total chill bro from Scott City, Kansas. Love. Three total stoplights. In the town, just a good old homeboy. Kansas' favorite hometown hero. Truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, love me some Ronnie B. Um. Anyway, uh, okay, back to transfer. So, Jamarius so Jamari, so Burton, um, like, he does embody the typical Greg Marshall style of, I'm going to play my ass off on defense, um, but his offense can have a little bit of the same mentality that... And that is not a positive. Um, he will sometimes take the Kobe McEwen approach of 
just try and get you to the bucket by brute force. And a lot of times that would result in missed layups at best. Um, but I do like his shot. Uh, starting to improve over the course of the year. And he was getting a little bit more steady. And uh, he would be, he's not a grad transfer, so he would have to get a waiver. But uh, um, the exodus, that could be possible. So I am of the slightly informed opinion that um, there will be no more sitting out. I'm. Okay. I don't want to say I'm confident in that, especially because I'm not confident that there will be sports ever again. Um, <laughs> but I'm fairly, from what I have heard, I'm fairly confident that there is a lot less of a need to discuss someone as a grad transfer versus a traditional transfer. I believe that every there will be free transfer movement um, okay. by like the start of by this summer. The only okay. I think it was 100% trending in that direction. The only thing that would delay it is if this coronavirus situation just the NCAA just says screw it, we're going to not even consider any of the things we were considering, but um, okay. Well, you heard it here first, everyone. Anyway, please credit the anonymous eagle podcast if this ever comes to fruition. So um, that's a, so anyway. That's that's Jamarius Burton, um, the main guy that I am just salivating over is a guy from Radford, uh, Carlick Jones. I great name, by been, the way. Oh, abso- absolutely. But Both Radford like and Carlick. <laughs> I, I am going full Chartuni over him. Like when we got Chartuni officially, I was going gaga. Never go full Chartuni. I'm going full Chartuni. Um, this guy's incredible. I love every single portion of his game. He's six one. He has a funky looking shot. It's not the quickest shot, but he gets it off. And he hit it last year at a forty percent rate. And looking really, really closely at some of his defensive possessions, Bradford was a terrible defensive team last year. But he he was always the smartest guy on the court. Like he was looking three plays, three passes ahead on defense. He was always in the right place at the right time, and he was so smooth. He's always able to stay in front of his man. He could guard around the basket. He could close out well. Uh, from deep, he always had his hands up. Like everyone loves that type of guy that just always, always in a defensive position. But like, it's true specifically for him. And he was in a system where he was with another point guard type guy. And I think a potential lineup of him and Samir as like dual distributors a little bit with him taking the lion's share of the shots in that duo. I legitimately, again, the stipulation that transfers are generally meant to pad up already good rosters, but I legitimately think that he could make a difference into next year. I think he's absurdly talented, and 
Radford is missing that big time. And whoever and he did put Marquette in his top six also, so it's not like Mojo's just casting a wide net and oh, because he called Carlick's uncle, that means they're in contact with him. Like he has Marquette Whittle now. So is is he the guy that people are were sort of assuming is a done deal to Louisville? Oh, I don't know. I know he did have Louisville in his top six, actually. So now you're going to make me sad. Let me see where he was from. Where he's from? There was a guy that uh, I'm looking up on Twitter, Carlick Jones, Louisville. Yeah, he's from Cincinnati, so I think that's the one. Yeah, fairly certain that that was he was the guy that people were just assuming was going to go to Louisville. I I agree though. Um, I, my tweet about the list when it came out was it's an honor just to be nominated because Marquette was on the list <laughs> with with like a like all the good quality programs, and at this point, it's kind of like what is our what is our comp? How do we compete as a school with those? folks, um, but also yeah if, I agree from everything I've read about him, he's probably the best case scenario um, yeah but that's the guards, uh, there are a couple bigs that I would like as well, so did, did you talk about DJ Carton at all? because oh yeah, I, I think that that's kind of an interesting especially in light of my now declaration that there will be no sit-out transfers. Um, DJ Carton, you really like DJ Carton, I know. I love DJ Carton, yes. His his only issue is that he turns the ball over a lot, but his turnovers were hardly ever live ball turnovers, so it was more like dumbass turnovers, I guess. Yeah. So take that how you will since he was a freshman. He he was a really highly touted guy out of Iowa. Um, Marquette was interested, but not deep into the process, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of people that I've seen on Marquette Twitter talking about. And you, I mean, you're kind of the the leader of the DJ Carton fan club a bit, but oh yeah, I think I my think one issue, he's a potential. Anyway, go. My one issue with, with him would be kind of when we were thinking last year about the Quentin Grimes transfer right. thing with it could just be he comes in for one year and if he gets some NBA interest, then he's gone because there were already some rumors about that going into last year. So... You the know, at this point, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Take what I'll take what I, I'll take what we can get at this point because it's bleak at the yeah, moment. It is bleak, and you know who can bring us from the bleak shadows? Tell me, Ben. Asbjorn Midgard. <laughs> Good old Asbjorn. Norwegian. Norwegian I'm super. I'm super down to have a. Things that start with N. Super down to have Jace be replaced by a Norse dude named Asbjorn. He was an absolute fan favorite 
at Wichita. Like that's this, awesome. Every, everyone loved this guy. I, Marquette Lowkey needs a center. We do, yeah. Theo John is like kind of undersized a little bit, not obviously physically, but height wise, and and doesn't have a backup. And Nickar is like a really solid option down, not like solid offensively, but like he will hold the low block down, and he was excellent defensively. That's kind of that was kind of the highlight of Greg Marshall's defense last year. Jamie Echenique, Morris Udeze, who was also on the transfer market, and. Uh, Midgard, all those guys were excellent defensive centers, and Midgard wasn't really getting the line share in minutes, but he's a really good backup, I think. Like, he could make a difference, and Marquette has reached out to him, so they are one of the first schools. I think that's probably what Lojo's strategy is going to be, backup center and some sort of distributing guard. Yeah, I... I, I mean, get both Wichita State guys? I don't know. Um, I, I would be all in favor of the Marquette Shockers. I'm sure strip you would. All the scholar- strip every single scholarship on the existing team. Get all seven transfers. And it'll be a whole new situation because, you know, they say, you don't like playing for Greg Marshall, you're going to love playing for Lojo. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's what they say. Okay. One more break, and then we'll talk about some other assorted musings, I suppose. Um, all right, I mean, gosh. Do you want to sort of wrap up with kind of like a... All right, I have, I have a question. What do, you, what do you feel good about on next year's Marquette roster? Or program in general. It doesn't have to be a roster thing. Like, what do you feel good about? There is legitimate potential with these freshmen. Like, I, I am excited to see yep. what Dawson Garcia can do. Yeah, got some good nicknames for the incoming class, too. I'm very excited for Dawson's Creek references from, from Brewtown Andy. Well, Andy should 100% rewatch Dawson's Creek like he rewatched the OC because of Sandy Cohen. Like, he's doing that. Is he? Yeah, he's, he uh, put a screenshot of Season 1, Episode 1 on Twitter earlier today. Oh, awesome. Wow, I had missed that. I haven't been on Twitter much today. That's fantastic. Yeah, and then uh, Oso, uh, Spanish for bear, so uh, a lot of bear references. Um, yep. If we get Asgore Midgard, I already have Aslan locked up in the chamber because they both have similar blonde hair. And, I don't know, they're lions. So, that's something. Yeah. I mean, I like I like Simon and Torrance, too. Yeah. And I thought Theo John, if he can freaking defend a little bit yeah. better, he's... I'm confident in his ability once uh, the hand gets uh, figured out. Yeah, the hand is big. Mm-hmm. Brendan Bailey's going to be first team all-big east next year. Yeah, man, whoa. I'm back on that. I'm not, but I have Well, high usage Brendan Bailey is going to be real interesting. Because he's going to have to be high usage. Yeah. He really is. There's going to, there actually probably will be a pretty decent position battle between him and Jamal Kane. Because Kane showed up last, at the end of last year. 
in his own way. What position does he play? Kane? Yeah. Like... I'm just assuming that they're going to go... I saw someone call him a power forward the other day. Ooh, no. I would not. No, not at all. I'm assuming that it's going to be, like, Dawson, Enoso, and Justin Lewis alternating between the four, four spots and a lot of Kane and Brendan at the three. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I think Brendan... Nah, he probably shouldn't play four. Um, yeah. But yeah, ugh, gosh. I'm just, like you said, I mean, 76 on, Bar- on Torvik's, you know, way too early projection. It's yeah, not- so these are a lot of, like, okay things. Like, they'll have their moments next year, but there's no star power. There's no existing system where you can plug in pretty much everyone and the team will be successful. So it's probably not going to be great next year. A lot of growing pains with an already young roster, but it doesn't really help when Wojo is the coach. Yep. And we are, just to reiterate, in exactly the same place as we were before with that. So it is not worth discussing. It is not happening. Oh, can I? uh, I sense a sign-off coming. I quickly... Well, I'm not. I'm not done. Plugs. Oh, plug thing. Oh, yeah. Plug your defensive project. Yeah. So uh, this is actually uh, this is how I got started off with the podcast originally. That's right. I was on as a guest. Yep. To talk about defensive crowdsourcing project. Um, It is currently ongoing. Uh, Voting ends on Friday, but the general concept is that defensive statistics for individual players are lacking because defense is a lot more about the process as opposed to the end results and it's hard to credit an end result to one player so what I have devised is a polling system in which if you go to anonymouseagle.com there should be a link for the entire defensive crowdsourcing projects and every single player has an individual voting page and on that voting page there will be four categories six categories length strength shot contesting effective quickness which is basically how you use your quickness um shit what the other ones oh intelligence and hustle and for each player on all six categories you rate how that player is on a scale of 1 to 10. The things to remember, the most important one by far, is do not consider the player's position when you are voting. For example, if you were to look at Greg Elliott, for a guard, he is very, very long, but he is six foot three. In the scale of all college basketball, what do you think that length is? Same thing with, I don't know, Brendan Bailey. For a power forward, he's probably pretty quick. But in the scale of all college basketball, a 
latency really that quick. So do it on an absolute scale, not relative to what you think the other positions are, because I need a consistent baseline here. I'm trying to hammer into the minds of the voting public this year it is for the highly subjective categories like intelligence and hustle, please consider your bias because the bias is that everyone on the team that you like is the one that tries hard because in the fans' mind, the players care just as much as I do. Again, think about how much the average college basketball player tries on defense and think about where this player falls on that scale. Because in the last two years that I've done this, only one player has been below average in the hustle category. Pat, do you want to guess who that was? Below average in the hustle category? Oh, yeah. The only... The yeah. only player... I have a real good idea. Alright, lay it on me. Uh, is he scoring 20 points a game for the Lakeland Magic uh, before everything was cancelled uh, this past year? Uh, if we are... If that is the team that Andrew Rousey was playing yeah. on, then yes. That's then yes, it was Andrew Rousey who probably should have had a negative 3 out of 10 in the defensive hustle category. I still, below I still remember, I will never forget, the DePaul game in the Big East tournament. I knew you were going to say that. I'll never forget that. And then they gave him the post-game interview, and he was like, uh, yeah, I kind of blew that. I was like, you think, dude? You left the dude, didn't Kane have like 20 points in that point? And it was like, you left the dude wide open. That's been leading them in scoring it was like the for the game-winning shot. Guard on the ball. Oh my god! So terrible. It's one of the worst defensive sequences I have ever seen. And even after Barquette had won the game on that shot, Sam Hauser was still yelling at him after it was all over. Just what the hell are you doing out there, kid? Honestly, oh, yeah. just like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, terrible! And even and even despite that. The Marquette fan base gave him a 4.9 out of 10 for Hustle. So, please consider how much the average college basketball player tries on defense when you're going through this exercise. Because, I promise you, not every player is trying that hard. Because they were not good on defense. And I don't want to lead you in too much for like specific players, so I won't say that, but just... Consider every player individually. That's As always, I'll be curious to see what the results are. They're always pretty interesting. Also, I need to vote. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Do you have? Are, are they all posted? Yes, right? Yes, every single voting page is posted. Okay. And voting ends on Friday at 5 o'clock. I will make Central. sure I vote. Um, Good job. Anything else you want to say, Ben? Um, oh, curious. Is there something that you have watched... Um, during this no one can do anything period that you would like to recommend to the listeners that got 55 minutes into this podcast 
sorry, repeat that. Anything you've watched? Um, oh, ever uh, Like on uh, Netflix or something like that? I don't know. Wherever. Um, I've been getting into Scrubs. Okay. Scrubs. Good. What is Scrubs on Scrubs, Hulu? Yeah. Yeah, Scrubs on Hulu. I've been back and forth between that and a rewatch of Legion for all you Marvel fans. That's a that's a bit of a deep cut. It's wanna... a very deep cut. I'm not a superhero guy, but uh, my roommate really liked the show, so Interesting. I'm, uh, I'm watching the first two seasons again before I move into my first watch of the third season. Interesting. You want to know what my uh, what my big uh, binge has been? I was just going to ask that. I have decided that I am going to try to watch every season of Survivor. Yep. I've never watched Survivor. It's excellent. I'm like very, like, so I have no spoilers. I have no spoilers, except I knew who won the first season just from, like, knowing what a big, like, television event that was. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I've gone in, like, very... I, so, I have for a very long time watched the although I haven't watched it in the last, like, three years, um, the MTV show The Challenge, um, which is aggressively derivative off of Survivor. (laughs) Um, It's like... Aggressively derivative, a nice phrase. Yeah, no, it's it's very much, like, if you made Survivor for, like, drunk mid-20-year-old people who want to be Instagram models. Um, So having watched that show, it's a very similar concept. It's a little bit more um, physical um, and less survive, obviously less survivalist. And that's the key element of survivor. Um, But I'm very, I'm just enraptured by survivor. I think it's phenomenal. Um, and I'm very excited I, I, I to get deeper into it. it you, you're gonna, you're gonna really enjoy it. That was, that was a big phase of my high school life. I wish I could get back into it. I'm, I guess I could, but did you know that that 125 million people watched the Survivor finale for the season, the first season Survivor? 125 million, according to Wikipedia. Now, of course, so. Damn. But how many seasons are there in total? So Survivor is on its fortieth season right now. But Wow. Uh in my defense, I have nothing but time. What else <laughs> am I doing right now? Now, would it have been stupid for me to undertake a forty season show binge at any other time? Yes. But literally, there's no better time than the present, because what else am I doing? Beautiful. I support you, man. I appreciate your support. Thank you. I, want, I, I legitimately want to like, hear some of your thoughts as you uh, go along. I will, I will keep you posted. Um, I thought season one was... So, gosh, a little bit... We're, all right, we'll have Survivor be a recurring segment for however often we decide to do this Please. Uh, in the offseason. Please. But... Um, the first, so 
what I did, so I, I, I was inspired by a Ringer article about bi- how to binge Survivor. Um, okay. And the suggestion from the Ringer article was to watch the 15th season, Survivor China, and okay. see if you like it based on that season, which was allegedly representative of what the show is sort of throughout its run with elements that evolve and, you know, but, but still having some of the old school flair to it. So I liked that a lot. I went through it in two days and I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and so then I have watched season one, um, which I did not expect to like as much because it obviously isn't as refined, but still really enjoyed just the, like, experiencing or watching how big of a phenomenon this was and just like understanding how revolutionary it was, I think was really interesting. So I'm now on season two and I mean, I, it's phenomenal, man. I, I, it's, it's, it's a little trashy, but it's, it's great. And it's what a, transformative show that is anyway wow we did six minutes on survivor but that's awesome good for us i will keep you personally posted and this podcast posted um please do hopefully how about how about let's how about let's end on something positive marquette related what was the best part of the season in your mind thinking about positive marquette basketball things is very difficult right now um, I mean, the two games that really stand out to me are the Nova and Butler wins. Um, I really think um, the Butler win was awesome. And it's hard because it's, some of it's inherently taken away. But I guess I'll say just in general... Um, when he wasn't required to, you know, wear himself down physically and emotionally to try to salvage a sinking ship, Marcus Howard was a delight. And the, just his ability to make ridiculous shots all the time and fill this, fill the stat sheet and just go on absolute massive heaters um, is something I'm going to miss. And while, you know, we didn't deserve him, um, he, there was nothing better than just watching him get absolutely bonkers hot and bury a team for a three-minute stretch. So... That's what I'll 14 30 point games this year. 14? Gosh, that's insane. Average what? Like 27 a game? 27.7. Wow. And one, two, three 40 point games. Oh my god. I love him so much. And a 50 burger against USC, right? Oh, yeah. That was, that was great. Yep. Yeah. Marcus Howard, my highlight of the year. I mean, how can you not? How can it not be? He was. Yeah. We truly did not deserve Marcus Howard. Yeah. Trying to think of a specific game, maybe. Um, 
that Georgetown home game where we kind of briefly thought that the skid was over and like the whole team was flowing together and Marcus scored dirty. That was that. Oh, uh, also Loyola Maryland, the first game. Yeah, when he broke the record. Yeah, like immediately. That was great. Positive things to end on. I yeah. Mark Soward, thank you so much. I know I've said it in writing. Allow me to say it in in, in audio. Um, but yeah, that's that's the legacy of this season. Marcus yeah. Howard. All right, Ben. We'll be back. Thank you guys for listening. As always, hopefully we can do a little bit of quarantine relief um, at some point. But we'll be a lot more infrequent. Obviously, I don't think we we may have recorded like you know, five episodes in between the season last year. I don't know what we'll do this year, but, um, yeah. you know, if if we need relief from there not being sports, I'm sure we'll record a podcast every now and again. And we'll try to follow yeah. as, you know, a deluge of news comes in, whether it be a transfer or what have you. But um, thank you for listening, everybody. And everybody stay safe out there and, and make good choices and flatten the curve and all that and take, take good care of yourself. Yeah.